0: chapter 49 of david copperfield this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tike hines david copperfield by charles dickens chapter 49 i am involved in mystery i received one morning by the post the following letter dated canterbury and addressed to me at doctors commons which i read with some surprise my dear sir circumstances beyond my individual control have for a considerable lapse of time effected a severance of that intimacy which in the limited opportunities conceded to me in the midst of my professional duties of contemplating the scenes and events of the past tinged by the prismatic hues of memory has ever afforded me as it ever must continue to afford gratifying emotions of no common description this fact my dear sir combined with the distinguished elevation to which your talents have raised you deters me from presuming to aspire to the liberty of addressing the companion of my youth by the familiar appellation of copperfield it is sufficient to know that the name to which i do myself the honour to refer will ever be treasured among the muniments of our house i allude to the archives connected with our former lodgers preserved by mrs micawber with sentiments of personal esteem amounting to affection it is not for one situated through his original errors and a fortuitous combination of unpropitious events as is the founder bark if he may be allowed to assume so maritime a denomination who now takes up the pen to address you it is not i repeat for one so circumstanced to adopt the language of compliment or of congratulation that he leaves to abler and purer hands if your more important avocation should admit of your ever tracing these imperfect characters thus far which may be or may not be as circumstances arise you will naturally inquire by what object i am influenced then in inditing the present missive allow me to say that i fully defer to the reasonable character of that inquiry and proceed to develop it premising that it is not an object of a pecuniary nature without more directly referring to any latent ability that may possibly exist on my part of wielding the thunderbolt or directing the devouring and avenging flame in any quarter may i be permitted to observe in passing that my brightest visions are for ever dispelled that my peace is shattered and my power of enjoyment destroyed that my heart is no longer in the right place and that i no more walk erect before my fellow-man the canker is in the flower the cup is bitter to the brim the worm is at his work and will soon dispose of his victim the sooner the better but i will not digress placed in a mental position of peculiar painfulness beyond the assuaging reach even of mrs micawber's influence though exercised in the tripartite character of woman wife and mother it is my intention to fly for myself for a short period and devote a respite of eight and forty hours to revisiting some metropolitan scenes of past enjoyment among other havens of domestic tranquillity and peace of mind my feet will naturally tend towards the king's bench prison in stating that i shall be d v on the outside of the south wall of that place of incarceration on civil process the day after to-morrow at seven in the evening precisely my object in this epistolary communication is accomplished I do not feel warranted in soliciting my former friend Mr Copperfield, or my former friend Mr Thomas Traddles of the Inner Temple, if that gentleman is still existent and forthcoming, to condescend to meet me and renew, so far as may be, our past relations of the olden time. I confine myself to throwing out the observation that, at the hour and place I have indicated, may be found such ruined vestiges as yet remain of a fallen tower wilkins micawber p s it may be advisable to superadd to the above the statement that mrs micawber is not in confidential possession of my intentions I read the letter over several times, making due allowance for Mr. Micawber's lofty style of composition, and for the extraordinary relish with which he sat down and wrote long letters on all possible and impossible occasions. I still believed that something important lay hidden at the bottom of this roundabout communication. I put it down to think about it, and took it up again to read it once more, and was still perusing it when Traddles found me in the height of my perplexity my dear fellow said i i never was better pleased to see you you can give me the benefit of your sober judgment at a most opportune time i have received a very singular letter traddles from mr micawber no cried traddles you don't say so and i have received one from mrs micawber with that traddles who was flushed with walking and whose hair under the combined effects of exercise and excitement stood on end as if he saw a cheerful ghost produced his letter and made an exchange with me i watched him into the heart of mr micawber's letter and returned the elevation of eyebrows with which he said wielding the thunderbolt or directing the devouring and avenging flame bless me copperfield and then entered on the perusal of mrs micawber's epistle it ran thus my best regards to mr thomas traddles and if he should still remember one who formerly had the happiness of being well acquainted with him may i beg a few moments of his leisure time i assure mr t t that i would not intrude upon his kindness were i in any other position than on the confines of distraction though harrowing to myself to mention, the alienation of Mr. Micawber, formerly so domesticated, from his wife and family, is the cause of my addressing my unhappy appeal to Mr. Traddles, and soliciting his best indulgence. Mr. T can form no adequate idea of the change in Mr. Micawber's conduct, of his wildness, of his violence. It has gradually augmented, until it assumes the appearance of aberration of intellect scarcely a day passes i assure mr traddles on which some paroxysm does not take place mr t will not require me to depict my feelings when i inform him that i have become accustomed to hear mr micawber assert that he has sold himself to the d mystery and secrecy have long been his principal characteristic have long replaced unlimited confidence the slightest provocation even being asked if there is anything he would prefer for dinner causes him to express a wish for a separation last night on being childishly solicited for twopence to buy lemon stunners a local sweetmeat he presented an oyster knife at the twins i entreat mr traddles to bear with me in entering into these details without them mr t would indeed find it difficult to form the faintest conception of my heart-rending situation may i now venture to confide to mr t the purport of my letter will he now allow me to throw myself on his friendly consideration oh yes for i know his heart the quick eye of affection is not easily blinded when of the female sex mr micawber is going to london though he studiously concealed his hand this morning before breakfast in writing the direction card which he attached to the little brown valise of happier days the eagle glance of matrimonial anxiety detected d o n distinctly traced the west end destination of the coach is the golden cross dare i fervently implore mr t to see my misguided husband and to reason with him dare i ask mr t to endeavour to step between mr micawber and his agonized family oh no for that would be too much if mr copperfield should yet remember one unknown to fame will mr t take charge of my unalterable regards and similar entreaties in any case he will have the benevolence to consider this communication strictly private and on no account whatever to be alluded to however distantly in the presence of mr micawber if mr t should ever reply to it which i cannot but feel to be the most improbable a letter addressed to M. E., Post Office, Canterbury, will be fraught with less painful consequences than any addressed immediately to one who subscribes herself, in extreme distress, Mr. Thomas Traddles's respectful friend and suppliant, Emma Micawber. "'What do you think of that letter?' said Traddles, casting his eye upon me when I had read it twice. "'What do you think of the other one?' said I, for he was still reading it with knitted brows." i think that the two together copperfield replied traddles mean more than mr and mrs micawber usually mean in their correspondence but i don't know what they are both written in good faith i have no doubt and without any collusion poor thing he was now alluding to mrs micawber's letter and we were standing side by side comparing the two it will be a charity to write to her at all events and tell her that we will not fail to see mr micawber i acceded to this the more readily because i now reproached myself with having treated her former letter rather lightly it had set me thinking a good deal at the time as i have mentioned in its place but my absorption in my own affairs my experience of the family and my hearing nothing more had gradually ended in my dismissing the subject i had often thought of the micawbers but chiefly to wonder what pecuniary liabilities they were establishing in canterbury and to recall how shy mr micawber was of me when he became clerk to uriah however i now wrote a comforting letter to mrs micawber in our joint names and we both signed it as we walked into town to post it traddles and i held a long conference and launched into a number of speculations which i need not repeat we took my aunt into our council in the afternoon but our only decided conclusion was that we would be very punctual in keeping mr micawber's appointment although we appeared at the stipulated place a quarter of an hour before the time we found mr micawber already there he was standing with his arms folded over against the wall looking at the spikes on the top with a very sentimental expression as if they were the interlacing boughs of trees that had shaded him in his youth when we accosted him his manner was something more confused and something less genteel than of yore he had relinquished his legal suit of black for the purposes of this excursion and wore the old surtout and tights but not quite with the old air he gradually picked up more and more of it as we conversed with him but his very glass seemed to hang less easily and his shirt-collar though still of the old formidable dimensions rather drooped gentlemen said mr micawber after the first salutations you are friends in need and friends indeed allow me to offer my inquiries with reference to the physical welfare of mrs copperfield in s a and mrs traddles in posse presuming that is to say that my friend mr traddles is not yet united to the object of his affections for weal and for woe we acknowledged his politeness and made suitable replies he then directed our attention to the wall and was beginning i assure you gentlemen when i venture to object to that ceremonious form of address and to beg that he would speak to us in the old way my dear copperfield he returned pressing my hand your cordiality overpowers me this reception of a shattered fragment of the temple once called man if i may be permitted to so express myself bespeaks a heart that is an honour to our common nature i was about to observe that i again behold the serene spot where some of the happiest hours of my existence fleeted by made so i am sure by mrs micawber said i i hope she is well thank you returned mr micawber whose face clouded at this reference but she is so-so and this said mr micawber nodding his head sorrowfully is the bench where for the first time in many revolving years the overwhelming pressure of pecuniary liabilities was not proclaimed from day to day by importune voices declining to vacate the passage there was no knocker on the door for any creditor to appeal to where personal service of process was not required and detainees were merely lodged at the gate gentlemen said mr micawber when the shadow of that ironwork on the summit of the brick structure has been reflected on the gravel of the parade i have seen my children thread the mazes of that intricate pattern avoiding the dark marks i have been familiar with every stone in the place if i betray weakness you will know how to excuse me we have all got on in life since then mr micawber said i mr copperfield returned mr micawber bitterly when i was an inmate of that retreat i could look my fellow-man in the face and punch his head if he offended me my fellow-man and myself are no longer on those glorious terms turning from the building in a downcast manner mr micawber accepted my proffered arm on one side and the proffered arm of traddles on the other and walked away between us there are some landmarks observed mr micawber looking fondly back over his shoulder on the road to the tomb which but for the impiety of the aspiration a man would wish never to have passed such is the bench in my chequered career Oh, you are in low spirits mr micawber said traddles i am sir interposed mr micawber i hope said traddles it is not because you have conceived a dislike to the law for i am a lawyer myself you know mr micawber answered not a word how is our friend mr Heap? mr micawber said i after a silence my dear copperfield returned mr micawber bursting into a state of much excitement and turning pale if you ask after my employer as your friend i am sorry for it if you ask after him as my friend i sardonically smile at it in whatever capacity you ask after my employer i beg without offence to you to limit my reply to this that whatever his state of health may be his appearance is foxy not to say diabolical you will allow me as a private individual to decline pursuing a subject which has lashed me to the utmost verge of desperation in my professional capacity i expressed my regret for having innocently touched upon a theme that roused him so much may i ask said i without any hazard of repeating the mistake how my old friends mr and miss wickfield are "'Miss Wickfield,' said Mr. Micawber, now turning red, "'is, as she always is, a pattern, a bright example. "'My dear Copperfield, she is the only starry spot in a miserable existence. "'My respect for that young lady, my admiration of her character, "'my devotion to her for her love and truth and goodness. "'Take me,' said Mr. Micawber, down a-turning, "'for upon my soul in my present state of mind I am not equal to this.' we wheeled him off into a narrow street where he took out his pocket-handkerchief and stood with his back to a wall if i looked as gravely at him as traddles did he must have found our company by no means inspiriting. it is my fate said mr micawber unfeignedly sobbing but doing even that with a shadow of the old expression of doing something genteel it is my fate gentlemen that the finer feelings of our nature have become reproaches to me my homage to miss wickfield is a flight of arrows in my bosom you had better leave me if you please to walk the earth as a vagabond the worm will settle my business in double quick time without attending to this invocation we stood by until he put up his pocket handkerchief pulled up his shirt collar ran to delude any person in the neighbourhood who might have been observing him hummed a tune with his hat very much on one side i then mentioned not knowing what might be lost if we lost sight of him yet "'that it would give me great pleasure to introduce him to my aunt "'if he would ride out to Highgate, where a bed was at his service. "'You shall make us a glass of your own punch, Mr. Micawber," said I, "'and forget whatever you have in your mind in pleasanter reminiscences. "'Or, if confiding anything to friends will be more likely to relieve you, "'you shall impart it to us, Mr. Micawber," said Traddles prudently. "'Gentlemen,' returned Mr. Micawber, "'do with me as you will. I am a straw upon the surface of the deep and am tossed in all directions by the elephants i beg your pardon i should have said the elements we walked on arm and arm again found the coach in the act of starting and arrived at highgate without encountering any difficulties by the way i was very uneasy and very uncertain in my mind what to say or do for the best so was traddles evidently mr micawber was for the most part plunged into a deep gloom he occasionally made an attempt to smarten himself and hum the fag-end of a tune but his relapses into profound melancholy were only made the more impressive by the mockery of a hat exceedingly on one side and a shirt-collar pulled up to his eyes we went to my aunt's house rather than to mine because of dora's not being well my aunt presented herself on being sent for and welcomed mr micawber with gracious cordiality mr micawber kissed her hand retired to the window and pulling out his pocket-handkerchief had a mental wrestle with himself mr dick was at home he was by nature so exceedingly compassionate of any one who seemed to be ill at ease and was so quick to find any such person out that he shook hands with mr micawber at least half a dozen times in five minutes to mr micawber in his trouble this warmth on the part of a stranger was so extremely touching that he could only say on the occasion of each successive shake my dear sir you overpower me which gratified mr dick so much that he went at it again with greater vigour than before the friendliness of this gentleman said mr micawber to my aunt if you will allow me ma'am to cull a figure of speech from the vocabulary of our coarser national sports floors me to a man who is struggling with a complicated burden of perplexity and disquiet such a reception is trying i assure you my friend mr dick replied my aunt proudly is not a common man that i am convinced of said mr micawber my dear sir for mr dick was shaking hands with him again i am deeply sensible of your cordiality how do you find yourself said mr dick with an anxious look indifferent my dear sir returned mr micawber sighing you must keep up your spirits said mr dick and make yourself as comfortable as possible mr micawber was quite overcome by these friendly words and by finding mr dick's hand again within his own it has been my lot he observed to meet in the diversified panorama of human existence with an occasional oasis but never with one so green so gushing as the present at another time i should have been amused by this but i felt that we were all constrained and uneasy and i watched mr micawber so anxiously in his vacillations between an evident disposition to reveal something and a counter disposition to reveal nothing that i was in a perfect fever traddle sitting at the edge of his chair with his eyes wide open and his hair more emphatically erect than ever stared by turns at the ground and at mr micawber without so much as attempting to put in a word my aunt though i saw that her shrewdest observation was concentrated on her new guest had more useful possession of her wits than either of us for she held him in conversation and made it necessary for him to talk whether he liked it or not you are a very old friend of my nephew's mr micawber said my aunt i wish i had had the pleasure of seeing you before madam returned mr micawber i wish i had had the honour of knowing you at an earlier period i was not always the wreck you at present behold "'I hope Mrs. Micawber and your family are well, sir,' said my aunt. Mr. Micawber inclined his head. "'They are as well, ma'am,' he desperately observed after a pause, "'as aliens and outcasts can ever hope to be.' "'Lord bless you, sir!' exclaimed my aunt in her abrupt way. "'What are you talking about?' "'The subsistence of my family, ma'am,' returned Mr. Micawber. "'trembles in the balance. My employer—' here mr micawber provokingly left off and began to peel the lemons that had been under my directions set before him together with all the other appliances he used in making punch your employer you know said mr dick jogging his arm as a gentle reminder my good sir returned mr micawber you recall me i am obliged to you they shook hands again my employer ma'am mr heep once did me the favour to observe to me that if i were not in the receipt of the stipendary emoluments appertaining to my engagement with him i should probably be a mountebank about the country swallowing a sword-blade and eating the devouring element for anything that i can perceive to the contrary it is still probable that my children may be reduced to seek a livelihood by personal contortion while mrs micawber abets their unnatural feats by playing the barrel-organ mr micawber with a random but expressive flourish of his knife signified that these performances might be expected to take place after he was no more then resumed his peeling with a desperate air my aunt leaned her elbow on the little round table that she usually kept beside her and eyed him attentively notwithstanding the aversion with which i regarded the idea of entrapping him into any disclosure he was not prepared to make voluntarily i should have taken him up at this point but for the strange proceedings in which i saw him engaged whereof his putting the lemon-peel into the kettle the sugar into the snuffer-tray the spirit into the empty jug and confidently attempting to pour boiling water out of a candlestick were among the most remarkable i saw that a crisis was at hand and it came he clattered all his means and implements together rose from his chair pulled out his pocket-handkerchief and burst into tears my dear copperfield said mr micawber behind his handkerchief this is an occupation of all others requiring an untroubled mind and self-respect i cannot perform it it is out of the question Uh, mr micawber said i what is the matter pray speak out you are among friends among friends sir repeated mr micawber and all he had reserved came breaking out of him good heavens it is principally because i am among friends that my state of mind is what it is what is the matter gentlemen what is not the matter villainy is the matter baseness is the matter deception fraud conspiracy are the matter and the name of the whole atrocious mess is heap. my aunt clapped her hands and we all started up as if we were possessed the struggle is over said mr micawber violently gesticulating with his pocket-handkerchief and fairly striking out from time to time with both arms as if he were swimming under superhuman difficulties I will lead this life no longer-i am a wretched being cut off from everything that makes life tolerable i have been under a taboo in that infernal scoundrel service give me back my wife give me back my family substitute micawber for the petty wretch who walks about in the boots at present on my feet and call upon me to swallow a sore to-morrow and i'll do it with an appetite i never saw a man so hot in my life i tried to calm him that we might come to something rational but he got hotter and hotter and wouldn't hear a word i'll put my hand in no man's hand said mr micawber gasping puffing and sobbing to that degree that he was like a man fighting with cold water until i have blown to fragments the uh, detestable serpent heap i'll partake of no man's hospitality until i have uh, moved mount vesuvius to eruption on uh, the abandoned rascal heap refreshment uh, underneath this roof particularly punch would a uh, choke me unless i had previously choked the eyes out of the head of interminable cheat and liar heap i'll a know nobody and a say nothing and a live nowhere until i have crushed to a undiscoverable atoms the transcendent and immortal hypocrite and perjurer I really had some fear of Mr. Micawber's dying on the spot. The manner in which he struggled through these inarticulate sentences, and whenever he found himself getting near the name of Heap, fought his way on to it, dashed at it in a fainting state, and brought it out with a vehemence little less than marvellous, was frightful. But now, when he sank into a chair, steaming, and looked at us, with every possible colour in his face that had no business there, and an endless procession of lumps following one another in a hot haste up his throat, whence they seemed to shoot into his forehead he had the appearance of being in the last extremity i would have gone to his assistance but he waved me off and wouldn't hear a word no copperfield no communication uh, until miss wickfield ah redressed from wrongs inflicted by consummate scoundrel i am quite convinced he could not have uttered three words but for the amazing energy with which this word inspired him when he felt it coming Inviolable secret uh, from the whole world no exceptions this day week uh, at breakfast time uh, everybody present including aunt uh, and extremely friendly gentlemen to be at the hotel at canterbury uh, where mrs micawber and myself old lang syne and chorus and uh, will expose intolerable ruffian heap. no more to say say uh, or listen to persuasion go immediately I'm not capable uh, bear society upon the track of devoted and doomed traitor Heap! with this last repetition of the magic word that had kept him going at all and with which he surpassed all his previous efforts mr micawber rushed out of the house leaving us in a state of excitement hope and wonder that reduced us to a condition little better than his own but even then his passion for writing letters was too strong to be resisted for while we were yet in the height of our excitement hope and wonder the following pastoral note was brought to me from a neighbouring tavern at which he had called to write it most secret and confidential my dear sir i beg to be allowed to convey through you my apologies to your excellent aunt for my late excitement an explosion of a smouldering volcano long suppressed was the result of an internal contest more easily conceived than described i trust i rendered tolerably intelligible my appointment for the morning of this day week at the house of public entertainment at canterbury where mrs micawber and myself had once the honour of uniting our voices to yours in the well-known strain of the immortal excise Man, nurtured beyond the tweed the duty done and act of reparation performed which can alone enable me to contemplate my fellow-mortal i shall be known no more i shall simply require to be deposited in that place of universal resort where each in his narrow cell for ever laid the rude forefathers of the hamlet sleep with a plain inscription wilkins micawber chapter forty nine